Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Beautiful day here in Ohio. After uh, it was raining so hard last night, I could have sworn I saw some guys uh, trout fishing in my backyard. So let's get started on the right foot. I've been reading a lot about uh, philosophy, and uh, philosophy to be exact. And uh, just so you know, as far as philosophy is concerned, there are no new ideas. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that they were talking about 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, uh, is the same stuff we're talking about here. But this is from Aristotle. It's one of my favorite. For there to be true geniuses, there must be some madness. There we go. Uh, hey, you know, we always talk about our webpage. So uh, our, my webpage is, is stacked full of good stuff this week, okay? If you never make a trip there, make a trip this week because I think it's some, you've got some excellent stuff on there. Uh, so if you go to WHK1420, uh, go to their local podcast down to Smart uh, Investor Hours, Tim Hayes. Uh, it'll go directly to my webpage or it has a, you just click on my webpage. <clears throat> and in Insights this week, uh, not only do we have Bob Dickey, uh, some people were uh, complaining again about Bob Dickey uh, not uh, showing up and, and it, it seems to not be showing up in the morning. So it's coming in the afternoon. So therefore, you know, for those guys who are looking in the morning, uh, those guys and gals. Um, but the Insights, um, have three new things in there that I think, you know, this changes every week, okay? So uh, it's the first one's called Lopsided Leadership, and it's a two-part series, and I highly recommend you reading that uh, because I think, I think leadership, when it gets lopsided like that, it's just about the change. Also, responsible investing, which, uh, you know, a lot of people are getting into environmental, socially, and governance investing, which is fine. Uh, we have three or four managers, in that, and we also have an ETF portfolio that is really good, too. But the best part of the show, and I would do this today, is there is an interview with Mark Mahaney. Now, you see Mark on CNBC quite a bit, and uh, Mark, uh, the Financial Times, called him the most accurate estimator of earnings and revenue on the street. I think he's done it numerous times. Uh, the Wall Street Journal quoted him as a, as a really good stock picker, one of the best. And he's been number one in his field. Uh, you know, I've heard different stories here, but I've heard nine out of the last 14 years. So he knows what he's talking about. This is the guy when I went on the show and I, you know, he recommended Amazon at 37 and it went right down to 29, by the way. And uh, I had a lot of nasty emails uh, sent to me from from uh, listening saying I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, <laughs> they ain't sending emails anymore. Mark knows what he's doing. And once again, Janet Ingalls, the smartest lady at uh, at RBC, is interviewing him. So uh, it's something I think you should do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to review a little bit of it today on today's show. But 
All right, let's, let's go to a couple things. Number one, the, the average person in the U.S. receives nearly 11 pieces of junk mail each week. Talk about a waste. 560 pieces a year amounts to 4.5 million tons of junk going straight to landfill that isn't even opened, I think. And since 2000, the number of people aged 25 or over who have uh, a master's degree has doubled to 21 million. What's more interesting is the number with a doctorate degree has doubled to 4.5. So 13.1% of U.S. adults have an advanced degree, up from 8.6. That's big. Cities' uh, property taxes and, and, you know, what they do, they either work, uh, cities work on property taxes or sale taxes. Only a few cities, approximately like 1 in 10, rely mostly on income or wage taxes. Federal aid amounts to 5% of the total, while state aid is about 20 to 25%. So... Cities' tax structures only account for 70, 75% of their, of their business, you know? That's kind of weird. Anyway, we, we're, we're trying to be uh, positive here. So here's a couple things to be positive about. Number one, New York is going to begin a phased opening this week. Uh, the New York hospital staff and entire staff got free vacations this week. Abbott, the FDA granted emergency use of, uh, to Abbott's antibody test, which I think is great. And don't forget, vitamin D, especially vitamin D3, appears to reduce serious complications among co- uh, coronavirus patients. Sorry about that. Also, uh, orchards from Ohio, one million in orchards have been donated to the, uh, the frontline workers in our country, which I think is great. Also, Lowe's is going to gift a million of flowers to senior moms separated from their loved ones. Uh, you know, unfortunately, my family is going through that right now. And uh, Nike is donating over 30,000 pairs of shoes to healthcare workers. I don't always agree with Nike, but that's a, that's a wonderful thing for them to do. Um, so why don't we uh, start out with Mark uh, Mahaney. And uh, he's got a new report out, which you can get if you go to, uh, you know, you go onto my webpage and just hit the contact me. But he talked about the six takeaways from uh, the COVID scenario. And he said almost no you know, internet stocks are immune. He said more than half of the 39 internet stocks he covered uh, suffered 10% plus negative revenue estimate revisions in the wake of the COVID crisis. So that's that's a lot. And they, he, he also said that the COVID crisis has created structural winners. Online retail, for example, streaming, online food delivery, gaming, uh, the cloud, digital presence, uh, have experienced accelerating adoption due to the widespread restrictions that are out there. Uh, net advertising names have been negatively impacted, but to various degrees. Uh, you know, he talked about a few here. You know, uh, the most resilient were a couple of the big ones, and I'll just read them out. Uh, while online retail names have been positively impacted equally, he believes that the acceleration in adoption has been broad-based across all retail lines. And what you're seeing is, you know, JCPenney and Land's End went belly up. So the, the companies that were proactive, Walmart, uh, Nordstrom's and things like that, uh, you know, uh, in starting to develop a um, uh, online presence are, are key. And then he talked about that the, for the non-structural winners, cost management and liquidity are in really big focus right now. And then he talked about rocket ships and fish hooks and took one of my names off the, the rocket ships and talked about a fish hook, unfortunately, this week. But uh, he does have a really uh, big, big name in there uh, that he likes as his num- number one uh, idea. Uh, so I just thought it was kind of interesting. Um, anyway, 
uh, Mark has uh, been one of the best analysts on the planet for some time now, so uh, you, you know you 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 want to pay attention to him. The second thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Lori Calcivina, as you know, is our uh, if you've been listening regularly, is our uh, head strategist and and uh, equity strategist, I should say. And you know she uh, did something this week, uh, and and she's added to it, but she's been talking wealthcare, I mean healthcare, up for some time now. And, and, you know, the big thing she said uh, that you need to know this week is that she remains overweight, large cap health care. And she's not messing around with the small caps, although I'm seeing some of these turn into rocket ships. But, uh, you know, they have been advising investors to balance their overweights between defense and secular growth and cyclicality. But uh, it's her it's her favorite long term secular growth opportunity. The valuations, number one, uh, are very attractive, and so and so aren't the earnings profiles. So that's uh, that's very positive. And you look, healthcare in December, uh, yeah, January, January, December was ten percent below the market multiple because they were getting beat up by certain political parties and uh, the presidency uh, because they didn't like the price of uh, drugs. And I think that. Uh, People now know why we pay these guys, okay? Uh, why we, you know, why you, look, you know, if it's your money or your health, you want the smartest guy running running your portfolio, okay? So valuations and earnings are very, very attractive. Uh, and it, it, look, I, it, I think it's fairly simple that the sector also seems less likely to be adversely impacted by the diminished role that stock buybacks will play in the equity markets. Uh, not many of these companies were doing buybacks. Uh, the buybacks was kind of funny. The, everybody's doing buybacks when the market was at 22 times earnings, and now they're not doing any, which uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you look back at the historic playbook, uh, it reminds us that healthcare tends to outperform in recession drawdowns and underperform in recession recoveries. Okay, so the next couple of uh, quarters will probably be good for healthcare. And uh, I've also noticed that uh, you know technically. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny, uh, but you know, healthcare is, is trading at you know uh, almost a two and a half percent discount to the the uh, the median uh, market multiple. And what's what's really interesting is that technically, uh, there's a lot of stock. I mean, boy, I you know I look at stocks every uh, charts every day, and every day there is uh, more and more uh, names on there. You know, I forgot to mention that this is a live show. And if you have a question, the number is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Uh, so there we go. A uh, couple other things we want to talk about. Uh, hold on. The um, Oops. Let's talk about fixed income a little bit. Uh, look, I, I don't know if interest rates are going to go up for a while. I don't know. I, what, what the Fed has done and what the, the government has done should be very inflation, inflationary eventually. But I think interest rates could be lower for longer. Although I would, I would shift to a slight negative outlook. If, like if you were in preferreds, you know, preferreds tend to anticipate interest rate hikes. So with uh, interest rates down where they are, I mean, this is the lowest interest rates we've had in, in forever. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think you have to be uh, a little bit more careful. Okay, so uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's hard to find uh, interest rate sensitive scenarios uh, that 
are, are <laughs> really, really attractive. Okay. It's just, it's just very hard. Now this week is what is known as the American Society of Clinical Oncology's meeting. Okay. And we, we have uh, both that and RBC's healthcare uh, um, uh, meeting this week. So we, we have, uh, we're going to have a lot of good stuff on the healthcare environment. So, uh, they are available uh, the, the, from the two days of our meeting, and ASCO will be next week. Um, but we also started coverage of biotech stocks across what is known as RNA interference. That's gene, gene therapy and cell therapy. And if you don't know what RNA interference is, you should, because it's probably CAR-T research. You know, CAR-T uh, is for cancer, and RNA isn't for cancer. And there's two different approaches. And I think one of them may be the eventual thing that keeps you alive 10, 15 more years. Uh, but there's a, quite a few names in here. Some of them look really, really good technically, by the way. Um, and uh, I'll just suggest that, uh, uh, you know, we, our group, uh, we've added two new uh, analysts. Uh, one is uh, Issa Luca. I don't know if it's Luca Issa. I think it's Luca Issa. I'm sorry. He's a PhD, um, and uh, also Lisa Walter, who's also a PhD, uh, uh, to our uh, our staff uh, to follow these stocks. So uh, if they're half as good as uh, Brian Abrams and uh, Ken, uh, I think you'll you'll appreciate uh, what they've been saying for some time. You know, it's it's really um, intense stuff, but this is the type of stuff that could cure cancer. And and by the way. A lot of the immune drugs that are out there right now could help cure um, COVID. Uh, you know, there's a company that's making it in pill, making a cancer product in pill form, and uh, you know, right now, would you rather go in and, and take it in intravenously, or would you rather take it in a pill? And I think the pill is the answer. But they've also so, signed showed a great. Uh, uh, a response uh, or some response anyway to COVID. So they're testing it now. I think that'll be very, very big. Um, you know, so the ASCO meeting coming up uh, and, and um, uh, basically this weekend and then the RBC meeting before that, I think there's some really good uh, stuff and you can get that by going to WHK 1420 local podcast down to Tim Hayes, smart investor show, just hit uh, our webpage and uh, it has all sorts of contact me and email me. Good stuff, though, uh, uh, I think, anyway. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is, uh, is, is kind of important right now is that uh, I looked at dynamic asset level investing this week from our friends from Dorsey Wright. And, um, you know, one of the things they were talking about uh, is that, you know, fixed income is number two. Cash is now number one. And even uh, so what we had is a move up in the market and people were still putting money away in cash. So domestic equities are still the number third and then currencies, then commodities, and then international equities uh, fell last. Although I still like the charts in the EEM, EEM and the EFA. They are starting to look fairly good. Um, uh, growth continues to be uh, the place to be, obviously, but, uh, you know, what I also noticed is uh, REITs. And, you know, look, I've always said that you buy yield when the stock, when the yield is up, the stock is down. And there's been a lot of REITs that have been beaten up. Now, you've got to be very, very careful. 
in which REITs you buy. I don't think you want to be buying shopping center REITs right at the moment. But there are a lot of REITs out there that are down. I mean, I knew one that was just 150. It's now 128. has a great dividend. And, and they do, um, you know, they're into server farms. That's what they do. Okay? So it's a different type of REIT. Uh, they beat the stock up a little bit because they made an acquisition. Still has a great dividend yield. And, you know, so there are REITs out there where the, the stocks are down, the yields are up. And my humble opinion is that's when you want to buy yield. When the yield is up and, and the stock is down or the yield is up and the bond is down or the yield is up and the CD price is down, that is the best time to buy it. And right now it's kind of high, hard to find that CD treasury market. Um, now, one of the things, you know, we're seeing is municipals, uh, the yields are up. They're actually higher on a tax-free basis than the treasuries. Uh, however, uh, there are some worries about, you know, uh, will the particular municipality or state still be there? I think they will. I'm not too worried about that. But uh, I also know that's where the Fed is buying. Okay? So, if the, you know, you, if the Fed's buying bonds, pay attention because that's usually the case, uh, you know, and they're buying municipal bonds. So, uh, a place to to uh, maybe hide out. Uh, if you'd like our bond list, please let us know. Uh, you can do that by hitting the contact me on the, uh, on the um, uh, webpage. So look, I think that, uh, uh, I, I forgot to mention one thing about Mark Mahaney's group. And uh, he talked about online shopping. And uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I think is kind of interesting is in those online shopping areas, the technical analysis is dynamite. Uh, if you want any help with that, I'd be glad. He does have one major recommendation that I, I think people have forgotten about. <laughs> uh, I, I even asked the question of him uh, when we when we uh, last talked. But uh, look, I think there's uh, some interesting stuff. We're, we're, you know, uh, we're gonna when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the crisis and a little di- different look. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Buffett, a good cheeseburger and pear dice there. Uh, you know, I, I was reading Jim O'Shaughnessy uh, this weekend uh, again, um, and you know he's the guy that came up with the, uh, you know, the, the, the dogs of the Dow and and the five and ten and all that good stuff. But he said something, and I, I wrote this down. It says relative strength is the only growth variable that consistently beats the market. Um, now, he conducted third-party research, okay, and he found that it didn't matter uh, market capitalization, P-E ratio, price to book, price to sales, whatever. It's just relative strength. And for investors, this means uh, letting good strategies work, okay? Don't second-guess them. Don't try to outsmart them, that type of thing. You know, I always remember, uh, you know, the story of the two mice that are sitting in front of a, uh, uh, a mousetrap, and there's a big piece of cheese on the, on the mousetrap. And the one mouse says to the other, well, I say, just trust your gut. <laughs> anyway, uh, usually when that occurs, you've got to be careful. And I'll just say this, the bullish percent for all equity fund 
did turn down. Okay, so we have the bullish percent in the column of O's. At the bullish percent for all the equity funds, uh, so it's something to think about. Now, on, on the other side, I looked at some of the specific basin, you know, the Super Pacific and the ba- Pacific Basin, which we have ETFs for, and I noticed that they uh, had a very nice. Um, well, they they bested our cash representation on the dynamic asset level investing, so. But there's been broader weakness in the international space. These have improved, and I, I don't know if that's directly uh, accountable to China or what, but uh, I just thought I'd mention it, okay? So um, anyway, we'll, we'll uh, go from there. And the other thing, you know, I want to repeat that the, uh, you know, if you look at the, the different um, uh, ETFs for real estate or whatever, I don't know if you want to buy the ETFs. This is where the individual stocks come into play. But, you know, uh, in Dorsey Wright's system, there's four for, you know, there's five for five, meaning you have all five technical attributes that they're looking for. And, you know, yet I look at, you know, uh, let's let's just take the IYR, which is uh, the, the real, you know, the Dow Jones iShares. And it's breaking down badly uh, from a series of lower highs, by the way, which is usually not good. Yet within the REIT, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight stocks that are five for fivers. So it's the weak stocks that are bringing it down. So look, when you have a stock that's that's got good technical attributes and good fundamentals, and the yield is going up, eventually the yield will halt the stock. Okay. So I just I say that to you just simply because I think the fact is that. Uh, there'll be uh opportunity there. Now, look, I, I was looking, you know, b- back in uh, February, we, we, we became cautious on the market, and Bob Dickey for 18 straight days, and by the way, he's been fairly cautious on the market recently, uh, for 18 straight days, he talked about the market. And if you look, you know, the P.E. ratio back in 2020, uh, at the beginning of it, was at 18, 19 times earnings, okay? so. Uh, you know, we, we got we got whacked. And, and the two ways we got whacked, obviously the virus and then the oil scenario was a one-two punch, you know, the, the cross, then the, 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 I mean, the jab, then the cross. And uh, um, so what people are expecting is a deceleration uh, of about 4.5% for 2020 on estimates, but a rebound in 2021 of 13%, which would be a good year. So Maybe the market is looking ahead um, and, and not, you know, back. Now, the question is, look, if you look at most bear markets, uh, you know, first of all, volatility, uh, you know, where you had days of plus minus 2%. Uh, I mean, I think we had 32 days, and that goes back to 2011. We had 35 days. In 2009, we had 55 days. Uh as far as 4%, we have had 16 days this year. Uh, the only other time I remember that was 28 days, and that was back in uh, 2008. So it's been a volatile time. And the question is, how many days till recovery? And then uh, I don't think anybody knows that yet, full recovery. Now, I know people who think we're going to be hitting new highs next year. Okay, I know people who think uh, we're whistling by the graveyard. And I'm not sure which one's which, but you know, take it from there. I'm supposed to mention this is a live show. If you've got a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945 if you want to talk. 
You know, uh, so, but I, I will say this, that the number of years for negative returns, if we go back to 1927, is only 26. The number of positive returns is 67. And during that period of time, we've had the Asian flu, we've had the Depression, we've had uh, a war, uh, we've had three wars, <laughs> we, we had the Cuban Missile price Crisis, we had the, the president resigning, uh, you know, so we... we We've had a lot of stuff go on uh, during that period of time. We've had the financial crisis, et cetera, and we've only had 26 down years, negative years. Uh, and by the way, only one year was in the 40 to negative 40 to 50 range. Uh, there was a couple years, 2008 and, and 1937, that were in the 30 to 40. Uh, then we had 20 to 30, it was 2002, 1974, 1930, uh, 10 to 20, 2001, uh, and the, in the 70s mostly. Uh, the, you know, we did, we did have a lot that were zero to 10, okay, which is manageable, I think, if you're doing the right stuff. But, um, you know, it, it is a situation where, uh, look, I, I think you got to stick to your plan. You got to, you know, look, losing money hurts more than gaining the same amount, by the way. Uh, but you got to cherry pick information uh, if, if you're, you know, you're not paying attention. And sometimes you, you get an illusion of control. You think you've got it all down and, and then it, you know, then the coronavirus shows up and you don't, okay? So I think what you want to do is stay away from the herd mentality. And, and once again, I've, I've had uh, several people who have done that and, you know, uh, they'll just leave it at that. So I see some emerging themes, and I've talked about this before. Uh, number one is telemedicine, family and pets, sustainability, 5G, working from home, health and wellness experiences, and working from home, okay? So... Uh, Look, uh, a couple other things I just uh, will go over here. Um, if I can find them. Uh, okay. Uh, num- number two, uh, let's let's go over a couple things very quickly. I noticed that some of the stock indexes are, are somewhat stabilized after the sell-off. Now the bullish percent is not turned up, and it's and it's only at like 52. So you know, it's not somewhere where I'd be jumping on board. Uh, you know, I actually saw some good action in the XLF, which is the financial, uh, uh, you know, scenario. So I'll just leave it at that. Now, the other thing, some people said, hey, Tim, you can't you can't time the market. But we've been pretty good. I mean, we said for two weeks that the bullish percent had turned down. And if you would have stepped away, you, you know, look, what I would do, and, and by the way, Julie called and uh, asked me how I use the bullish percent. And I, I said, uh, you know, I have some annuities where I move the money back and forth uh, based on the, the risk in the market. And uh, so when it turns down, I move money to the sidelines. Uh, if I really think something's going to happen, I move more money to the sidelines. And, and by the way, that's something that you could do in your 401k. You know, if you're listening to the show regularly, you move, you know, the bullish percent turns down, you move it. Okay, as simple as that. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is I've been, you know, a little bit shy on gold the last couple of weeks. And the reason I have is that in history, a lot of uh, uh, small central banks tend to sell when gold's positive. Uh, and look, I didn't say I was selling my gold. I just said I, I was less aggressive. But it did break out this week. The GLD, which is the gold shares, broke above 164, which is huge. Uh, you know, the GDX, which is the gold miners ETF, broke above it. The small cap gold miners are, are behind it a little bit. Um, I, I, <laughs> I can tell you. 
that if I look at the uh, moving averages, they're beautiful, um, and and uh, and also the PPOs are beautiful. So uh, for those who don't know that you know aren't uh, concerned with that, you know you should be. So look, I think the uh, the importance of technical trends in a market uh, with so many fundamental conflicts is important. So we fully appreciate that most fundamentally driven investors have little interest in short-term technicals, but some normalcy returns, however, one wants to frame it. All right. So, you know, just got to remember that, you know, levels are likely to be uh, a major focus heading into uh, option expiration next week. So, you know, be, be careful of that. And look, I, I continue to barbell, you know, growth and cyclicals while, you know, kind of underweighting safety stocks right here is my opinion. But uh, uh, the relative performance uh, is getting more interesting. I, I do have a couple stocks that just look fantastic right now. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's something that you have to pay close attention to. Uh, healthcare is a leadership group. I've got three or four stocks in there to look dynamite. Uh, technology looks good. I am seeing some technology uh get less timely and and look like uh um you know we we have a problem with it okay so um uh, you know we we got to be watching that too financials uh look the financials are in a huge range and and um they're down at the bottom end of their range the question is uh are we going to go from here you know what i mean so um uh, i i think what we have to do is uh start to follow those uh uh, you know, in a scenario where, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're paying closer attention to them uh, for the long run. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back with a bullish percent. This is the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. Uh, I am Tim Hayes, and uh, this is where we talk about the bullish percent. And, and once again, this is you know this is how I would be running my four hundred one k. You know, and right, uh, the bullish percent was designed as a risk tool. All right, so what it does is it goes from zero to one hundred, and uh, when we get over seventy, which we were just over seventy last week. Uh, and then we, that's the red zone. Okay. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio as everybody was, you know, CNBC was touting everything. And then it, uh, we, we go below that, uh, and, and we go from a column of X's, which is an accumulation pattern on a point and figure chart to a column of O's, which is a distribution pattern. And trust me, the distribution happens a lot faster. Okay. Than the, uh, the overall uh, market, okay? So uh, you want to be more careful when we're in a column of O's, which we are right now. Uh, we are at uh, 59, no, I'm sorry, 62 right now. And uh, so we're in a column of O's. And everybody says, ah, oh, but we, you know, we stabilized last week. It ain't over until the bullish percent turns up, okay? So look, I'm not saying every time the bullish percent turns down, you have to get out and sell everything you own. What I'm suggesting is, it's a good time to raise cash going into uh, this situation. Now, look, we said the bullish percent turned down back in February, and uh, it never turned back up. 
So I was looking for a 10% correction, uh, which was normal. And then we had a couple other things happen that we weren't expecting. And that's the way the stock market works, the, the coronavirus and then the oil scenario. And also Bernie Sanders becoming the, the frontline guy for the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, a, a socialist uh, candidate doesn't work well with a capitalist uh you know, scenario. So anyway, the point is, is that the New York Stock Exchange Index, uh, the bullish percent, is in a column of O's. And remember that the over-the-counter index is still in the column of X's, very close to breaking down, by the way. It is at uh, 49. Uh, it'll break down at 46. And the world index is at 48 in a, in, in a column of X's also, mostly because of Pacific Basin, Okay. And, and that's the emerging markets that I talked about uh, several months ago. Uh, they're holding up better because I think they've just been land blasted. <laughs> um, but they're, you know, that would break down at 44. It is at 47. So, the, you know, it, it's been kind of a mixed week of action. You know, the three major bullish percent uh, remained uh, in indicators uh, remain kind of unchanged, except for the, the New York stock stock exchange index, which turned into a column of O's. Then, by the way, I said last week that the S&P 500 bullish percent turned into a column of O's too. So one of the positives is the, the positive trend indicators moved higher and they, they each re, reached the 30% level, which is usually a pretty good sign. You know, So I think what you want to do is use this pullback to get more bullish. Okay. So, uh, but look, last week, the New York bullish percent did uh, reversed down after hitting 70 for the first time in almost two years. Remember the last time it did it was October of 2018. Okay, so I think you want to be a little bit more careful, although the difference is, you know, we're, we're kind of in bear confirmed status right now. Uh, and, you know, the, the bullish percent uh, for the New York Stock Exchange fell pretty, pretty hard. So, uh, I mean, you know, it was down almost 11, 12 percent last week. So you got to, you know, be paying attention. Now, um, I do think, you know, uh, you know, if we looked at, at Friday's thing, we, we'd be at about 52 on the bullish percent, not 60. But uh, that's, you know, that's a little technicality that we have to talk on. But look, uh, when we hit 50 the last time on the bullish percent, uh, the, that was when the market was down a bit. But then the oil thing hit and then Bernie hit. And it went down all the way down to five. So you just got to be a little bit more careful now, uh, quite a bit more careful. You know, the, the, the S&P 500 was very close to breaking the double bottom uh, at the, you know, the 20, 2780 mark. And it uh, turned around Thursday and Friday. But I think you got to keep watching because uh, the trend is still negative for the time being. But the Dow Industrials, uh, the, uh, the, the mid cap stocks are positive right now, which is keeping the over the counter index. But Small caps are negative. The QQQ is still positive, but very stretched. Uh, the Vesco Equal Weight 500 is positive, but very stretched. Uh, the S&P 500 and the XLG. So it's large cap stocks in, in general that are keeping up. Um, you'd like to have, a, a, you know, you'd like to see a little bit of more emergence. We started to see that Friday, so that's good. Uh, you know, and I'll just uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, but it was a it was a mixed performance, uh, you know. Uh, but look, there's there's a lot of support levels uh, that I think we're very close to in a lot of these uh, indexes. So if we were to break through those, 
that would probably be you know, a negative. Uh, the QQQs are the one that are most extended, and it's at a 50%, 60% overbought reading. Same with the XLGs, which is the l- very large cap stocks. They're at 36% overbought. Even the S&P 500 Trust is up at 22% overbought. And you know, believe me, for a big, a large cap thing, that's a lot. So one thing I did see is that the small cap index, the IJR, did violate its bullish percent line. Uh, I mean, its bullish uh, uptrend line. Uh, and, and broke support at 59. So uh, it's a double bottom break. You've got to be a little bit careful. It's in a downtrend. Mid caps, on the other hand, you know, uh, broke uh, broke down after breaking out. So they could be what is known as a shakeout pattern, uh, where they shake the weak hands out and, and send you back up, okay? Now, um, we did see most of the, you know, the indexes, especially like the equal weight index of the S&P 500, uh, hit a sell signal. It broke a double bottom at 90. And uh, so we're seeing more of that. Now, they rally a little bit Thursday and Friday. We'll see what happens. But one of the things that was very positive, I think, is that we now have 30 groups, 30 different groups in favored status. Now, what's interesting about that is remember last year, I complained through the entire year that we did not have uh, more than 11 indexes <laughs> in a positive trend. And now we have 29. So it took the sell-off to get these things back. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about only the favored sectors because that's where the money should be. We're going to talk about the most overbought first and move to the least overbought. So gaming is uh, most overbought at 75 And then at 70 is semiconductors, software, restaurants, auto, and housing. Then at uh, at 60, uh, 66 is forced and paper products. At 58 is chemicals, electronic product, electrical products, computers, internet, retail, and biosciences, and business uh, products. That's you know a place where you could pick a few. At 55 is real estate, leisure, and building. At 50 is protection services, healthcare, food, drug, and precious metals. At 44 is transportation, aerospace, oil, and oil service. How about that? Those guys were always at 10 back in January, okay? Uh, and then at 40 is electric utilities. Remember, they were at 80, <laughs> so they've come down a long way. And then telecom uh, is at 34. Uh, telecom was in the 30s for a pretty long time. So, um, you know, we, we have um, quite a bit of uh, – uh, Interesting stuff going on there. A couple of groups, I, I'll say, have gone to bull alert status, and that's drugs, non-ferrous metals, and uh, precious metals. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's important because those are that's areas where, you know, we've been talking about precious metals since the summer. So, I mean, if you haven't got that, <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> if you haven't been paying attention, we've been, we're up probably 40 50% in most of those stocks, uh, unless you came on board late, and then you're still up 27 28% which is much better than the market. So, um, you know, I, I did notice that a couple groups went to average that were unfavored, and that was steel and textiles. You know, and maybe this, you know, remember we keep talking about this value versus growth scenario, and uh, maybe this is what's finally uh, turning the corner where we're, we're seeing uh, some value stocks start to pick up. Uh, international equities, uh, you know, look, there's a couple things I, I noticed, and uh, like the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a broad developed representation. This is the the bigger companies. We see some significant. You know, it has risen significantly off its bottom, uh, and it gave two buy signals uh, to 
to, you know, where it is right now, around 57, 58. And it's just two boxes shy of testing the long-term bullish, uh, bearish resistance level, which would turn it positive, make it a three for five. Also, the EEM, um, which, you know, uh, it, it got beat up and, and um, it, it had broken out and then got beat up because everything else got beat up. But it's right at its downtrend line. I mean, uh, at 37 and a half, 38, it would break its downtrend line and become a three for fiver, maybe even a four for fiver at that point. So, um, you know, if you, if you have four to four to five of the relatives of the, the attributes that Dorsey Wright likes, usually that's a good thing. Trust me on that. And, you know, um, You know, I, I was looking at uh, some of the the bond funds, and uh, you know, I was looking at like uh, like some of first trust stuff, and and uh, there's a lot of everybody's headed the same way. I'll say that we did have crude oil go positive for uh, for the last three weeks, so that's positive. And then, as far as uh, relative strength is concerned, uh, you know, we we always watch for relative strength. Auto Nation, American Axle, Canadian Natural Resources, Aircap, B and G Foods, Green Dot. Lamar Advertising, Magic Software was New, uh, New Star, uh, IPG Photronics, Main Street Capital, Liquid, Lumber Liquidators, Pasteur Biosciences, Turtle Beach Corp, Spartan Motors, Toll Brothers, Wendy's, Unify, Vantage, uh, Park City Group, USA Compression, Gladstone Land Group, uh, Experian Therapeutics, Magro Genetics, good-looking chart there, Grubhub, Restaurant Brands, and Bellicom, and then Square, and Intellia Therapeutics, Pulse Biosystems, Cars, GXTH, Redfin, and Goosehead Industries. Uh, so, oh, Garrett Motors too, and Guardian Health. So those are the buys. I don't. I have a few sales, but not many. Uh, Citizens, Cincinnati Financial, Frontline, uh, uh, ICC Bank, and Invacare, a local company. So. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the cells aren't necessarily cells. They're just, you got to pay attention to them. Uh, make sure that you're on the right spot, okay? In the meantime, I think uh, what you want to look for, in my humble opinion, is the relative strength buys. That's where the money's going to be made. So uh, I, I follow those to the T. <laughs> I've got a whole list on my uh, machine. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and I think we're going to be right back with uh, what Bob Dickey's been saying and some of the insiders. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. We just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, I think we might have time to get a question in here, but if you have a question, the number is 216-901-0945. Well, the insiders went nuts in the last five or six days, so that's a good sign. Um, and here's what I've seen, some patterns. Why don't you, first of all, let's, why do we look at insiders? Oh, they just know their companies better than we do. And when you see large insider buys, I don't look for the you know $5,000 worth or anything like that. I'm looking for hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, and uh, that's when you should be paying attention. Uh, they're early, okay? They're patient investors. They're early. But look, you sell a stock for a lot of reasons. You want to buy your Porsche, your house on the coast of uh, California, whatever it may be. You buy stocks for one reason, and that's to make money. So just remember that. But I, here, here's a couple patterns I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of small cap bank stocks and financial stocks, which have just got beat up. They're buying 
100,000 here, 200,000 there, whatever. Uh, I'm also noticing again that our buddy Robert Small uh, at TransDM, and I, I don't know if this is the Robert Small. So I, I met at a golf outing about seven years ago, but uh, he just bought about another 45 million of TransDM local company. Then he bought another 39 million. Then he bought 33 million. Um, I got to go down the road a little bit here. Uh, then he bought uh, 876,000. Um, and let's see, there's one more. Uh, can't find it. Oh, it's way down at the bottom. He bought another 400,000. So uh, he's, he's a large buyer, as you may recall. He has bought several times over the last few weeks. Also, uh, uh, Naynet Corporation, which is a credit services company, the chairman of the board, Michael Dunlap, stepped up to the plate and bought $60 million worth of stock, 1.37 million shares. Now, here's something that's really interesting. Bausch & Loam, or the Bausch Health Company, which changed his name just recently, John Paulson, if you don't know who he is, you should look him up, bought $35 million. Then he bought another $25 million. Then he bought another $21 million. Uh, John is a very, very smart guy. Uh, Lester Knight, who's a director at Aon, uh, bought $13 million worth of stock just recently. It's an insurance company. Thought that was interesting. Then we had several people at Mercury uh, General, which is another property casual. We had uh, chairman of the board, uh, George Joseph, buy $5 million worth. And then he stepped up plate and bought another six, $3.6 million. Then he bought another $2.4 million. So uh, the, you like when to see the chairman of the board buy stocks. Here's an interesting one. A Continental uh, Resource Development, an 84-cent stock. And we had Riverstone, uh, which is, uh, I believe, a 10% owner, and REL U.S. Continental Holdings, each buy $2.7 million. And then we, they, they, uh, they stepped up to play about three days later and bought uh, another million each. And then they did. They came up and bought 800,000, 833,000 a couple of days later after that. So, uh, you know, you, you don't see that much money going to an 84 cent stock very often, but you no. Know, so look, uh, that's your Vegas money. Just remember that. Um, a couple other names that I see that I really like, uh, is Harley Davidson, the chairman and acting president. Uh, he, uh, Zates is his last name, but $2 million worth. And Greg Gresh, if you don't know who he is, I believe uh, you should know him. <laughs> He bought uh, $1.7 million twice in two different days of Upwork, uh, which is a Mark Mahaney stock. And, and then two days later, he bought another uh, million dollars worth uh, of Upwork twice. So I think that's uh, kind of interesting. And then uh, another real estate investment trust, Annalee Mortgage. Uh, we had the uh, director, uh, Tom Hamilton, buy $1.1 million worth. And Zion Bank Corp, uh, which, you know, has got a great balance sheet. The chairman, Harris Simons, uh, bought a million dollars worth, which I thought was very interesting. A couple other things. Uh, Takeda, uh, Triceda, I'm sorry, uh, which is a drug manufacturer, the uh, CFO, and uh, he, he bought $970,000 worth. And also, uh, Laureate Education, the, the uh, chief financial officer, bought $400,000. You like when you see the CFOs buy. Trust me on that. And then Jack Schuler, I don't know what's going on with this accelerated diagnostics, but he, he just bought another 89,000 shares, and he owns $14 million, and I think he bought some earlier in the week. Uh, and if I can find it here. Um, but uh, anyway, 
I'll just say this. Uh, I have 22 small banks, uh, regional regional management. Uh, we we have uh, Webster Bank. We you know uh, uh, State Bank, uh, S and T, uh, BBDC, which is uh, Bearings. You know, so a lot of small banks uh, had a lot of insider buying this week, but it's the most insider buying I've seen in a long, long time. So I just uh, I emphasize that simply because of the fact that, you know, it, it may be a group. By the way, Jack Schuler did buy 20,000 shares on Monday, all right? So he now owns 14.75 million shares, and believe me, Jack Schuler is no dummy. Uh, he knows the healthcare industry. Look up his background. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing how many... Uh, 100, 200,000 share uh, buys in all different, you know, rent-to-center, blooming, uh, um, uh, blooming brands, uh, you know, uh, Centerpoint Energy, which is a utility. It's in all sorts of different industries. Uh, Cayman, you know, in the defense business, there's there's lots of them. So uh, somebody, you know, is getting bullish, and it looks like the insiders are. Uh, so, and a, a lot of these are in stocks that are down. Okay. Um, which is, you know, that's where you want to be, right? Okay. Uh, now, the problem here is, uh, if you look at the the the, the Fang stocks, uh, the Fang stocks are actually up for the year. Um, you know, where the and the Nasdaq Composite just broke positive on Friday, but the S and P 500 is still down 10. percent So, you know, the stock markets have largely been held higher by some of the largest names in the indexes. With the majority of stocks in most, just much more mixed trends. Matter of fact, you know, I, there's still 60 stocks in the uh, S&P 500 that are down 40%, believe it or not, after all this thing that's going on. So, but because of the very heavy influence these names have, you know, it's a market capitalization weighted type thing. You know, the fangs uh, are are outperforming. All right, so it's something that you have to pay. Uh, particular attention to uh and you know look the the problem becomes i think is is you know the more things change the more they remain the same type of scenario so these same stocks have been the leaders now for seven years and you take a look at value and how cheap it is and you're really tempted to go after them but they're not they're not working yet so i don't know when, when it happens but look the stock market continues to hold the gains of the past six weeks, but the the momentum's kind of flattened, and uh, I think some stock groups have been quietly moving lower, you know, back to their lows. And these are stocks generally of those companies that are going to have a more difficult and longer period of time recovering from the virus cycle, okay? Uh, and, you know, it's something that you have to uh, think about. But, uh, look, I, I just – I keep seeing, uh, you know, like the S&P 500 has – the volume is on the down days, okay? So I, I think it's going to be very hard to either become bullish or bearish for the next couple of days or, or weeks uh, unless there's a crack in, 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 the, in the trends. And uh, we may go in this side, you know, side trend for, you know, for a pretty long time. We, we don't know. It's just one of those things that you just have to, uh, you know, you have to watch and wait, unfortunately. You've got to sit on your hands now. Look, I looked at the Dow Jones, and the Dow Jones did break out of a little, you know, uh, a triangle pattern that it was in. It had a flat top and a upward trending triangle. It broke to the down, and that was on uh, Wednesday, I believe. So, you know, uh, look, I just think, you know, it's important that you understand 
that, uh, you know, what we're looking at here is a scenario where uh, we are uh, in a sideways pattern for the time being, but the, you know, the bullish percent is in a column of O's. So a lot of damage can be done between 50 and 10 on the bullish percent. Trust me on that. So I think you want to be, you know, tighten up your stops, have a little cash on hand, uh, just, you know, pay attention to what's going on as far as, as far as the world's concerned. Okay. So in the meantime, look, we have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. There's a couple on the prime income list right now that look great. So they're not only income, but they're technically sound. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll just say that I, I think they're great buys today. Uh, we have the business owner's guide to transition. All right, so for you guys out there that are selling a business, believe me, number one, we can help you get a better price. Number two, we have a, you know, there's a book there you can read about. Sometimes outside uh, information is good. We have the Savvy Credit Investors Handbook. We have a wealth plan. I have eight people that are using this thing. They're just rearranging things a little bit right now. It's fantastic. The Family Inventory Workbook. I don't know of a better time to get your financial house in order. They can all be uh, got on our, our list, but... Most importantly, in insight, remember, we have lopsided leadership. We've just been talking about that. Responsible investing. But the, but the biggest thing is we check in with Mark Mahaney. He's one of the best analysts on the street, uh, and he, he follows the Internet stocks. He has some great clarification of what's going on here. I highly recommend it. So go to WHK1420. Go to local podcasts down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show. Uh, click uh, Click my uh, webpage, go to Insight. Insight will get you directly to, you know, Mark's interview. I think it's it's great stuff. It only takes about 15 minutes. Don't forget Dickie. Um, and it's, <laughs> this is my first show with my puppy upstairs, and he's been relatively quiet, so uh, thank God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.